Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Podcast presented by Priority Automotive Group. I am Will Driscoll, the Executive Director of the Hall of Fame, and it is my pleasure to bring Hall Call to you wherever you may be listening. On today's episode of Hall Call, we continue our look into the upcoming class of 2020. We are now under two months away from 2020 induction weekend here in Virginia Beach. And our guest today was a multi-sport star in track and field and football at Menchville High School in Newport News. He then became an all Big Ten performer in both at the University of Wisconsin and went on to become one of the best wide receivers in the NFL during an eight-year career, all with the New York Jets. Of course, I am talking about Al Toon, the 1986 AFC Player of the Year, a member of the Jets Ring of Honor and four-decade team, and soon to be... Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductee. Al, thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Hall Call podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. Wonderful. Well, let's get one thing out of the way first. You were obviously a great athlete, but you had four kids who were also college athletes, three in volleyball, one in football. Who has the highest vertical leap in the family? Uh, I would say my son, (laughs) uh, Nick. That's the highest, but my girls who play volleyball were not too far behind. I get. I bet there was some pretty good competitions between the family during vacations and just kind of out in the backyard over the years, huh? Yes. You know, the girls love their, you know, kind of batting the ball around, um, you know, just kind of working on their skill sets and, and just having fun. That, that's great. That's great to hear. So from your time at Menchville, through the NFL, your leaping ability, like we just mentioned, was always an asset. When was the first time as a kid that you realized you had something that might separate you from your peers moving forward? Um, it probably was my sophomore year in high school. Um, I really hadn't done any organized sports. Uh, both of my sisters were uh, track athletes as well. Uh, my older sister ended up uh, getting a full ride scholarship. Um, but uh, chose to go in the military. My youngest sister actually was second in the nation in the shot put uh, in high school. So, uh, um, yeah, so it was uh, it was um, uh, kind of cool for me to watch them. However, they started athletics before I did, which in, by the time I was a sophomore in high school, I was thinking, okay, I guess it's time for me to go out. And I went out for track. I actually went out for football and got cut from JV. Um, and then I was like, okay, that's not good. And so then I went out for track and ended up uh, starting with long jump, high jump, triple jump. And that's when I realized that, you know, maybe I have a skill set that I can use to uh, uh, build on that and maybe go to college. And actually going through high school, uh, wanted to develop the disposition that you know I wanted. I wanted to represent the United States in the Olympics, so that was my drive athletically. Um, and uh, went back out for football. My junior year ended up uh, doing okay and starting a defensive end, and then continued to progress. And uh, that's where we went from there. Talk about that transition. You know, it's it's funny. You you hear stories kind of like yours all the time, where you know Michael Jordan was cut from his basketball team uh, in in early in high school. But you know, you're cut from the football team. Yet you ended up making a great career out of that. Was it the same coach who ended up bringing you on to the varsity team uh, that cut you from JV? No, different coach. Uh, my JV coach um, uh, was. 
short term. Um, the varsity coach had been there a while. He was also my field event coach and track, um, uh, Charlie Nadicom, and a uh, highly respected teacher at the, at the school. And um, uh, really respected him as a person, uh, gave me a lot of uh, life advice and uh, helped me to develop my skill set athletically and uh, maintain my focus academically. You mentioned your focus was actually, you know, with all of the accolades you had for football, your focus initially was track. What drew you to the sports and track and field? I like the individuality of track. You know, it was me against the tape or me against the clock Um, and without dependence on others. Team sports wasn't at the top of my list at the time. Um, You know, I just enjoyed, you know, competing against me. Uh, so that was my drive and, you know, hence my movement from, um, track to football. Uh, when I moved from track to football, I wanted to find a position where it was a little more individual. So that's probably why I ended up out at the receiver position. It is one-on-one out there against the cornerbacks and potentially safeties, but yeah, that wide receiver DB is definitely one of the the more famous one-on-one aspects of football. But getting back to your track, your track, you know, you were a triple jumper, you were a long jumper, and you still hold some, you're still one of only a few people ever to surpass 50 feet in the triple jump here on the peninsula. Uh, You set records and were all Big Ten uh, in both. Was there any talk or any thought when you were in college that that is really what you wanted to do. I know that you qualified for the Olympic trials in the hurdles and I believe it was uh, the triple jump, but was there, was that really the goal? Is that really what you wanted to do? And if you would have progressed further, would, would your path have may have been different? Well, I uh, was a week away from the Olympic trials and I you know, really damaged my hamstring and so I didn't get to participate in the Olympics trials, um, but I don't know where I would have ended up, but it would have been a tough decision uh, to move forward with football because my goal in life was to represent the United States in the Olympics, and, and it probably would have depended on how well I did, um, you know, if I qualified for the Olympics and then I did participating in the Olympics and where I finished, um, and maybe that would have satisfied that dream and and then continued to move on and try something else which would have been you know getting uh an opportunity to play football in NFL. Well, we've mentioned that you were in the Big Ten, and that was actually at the University of Wisconsin. Both you played both track and field and football there. What led you to Wisconsin from Newport News? Well, Charlie Nutty Combs' son was the field event coach at Wisconsin, and additionally, uh, one of my my teammates, Art Price, who was a year older than me, uh, decided to go to Wisconsin. So Wisconsin was one of my visits, and I really enjoyed my trip here uh, when I was 18, uh, my recruiting trip. And uh, I liked the people, the opportunity. Uh, the football team was up and coming. And so I thought it was a great, obviously the school is a great school academically. So I thought it was a great opportunity for me to uh, extend my wings, and they also would allow me, and most importantly, would allow me to um, run track and play football. Um, so I really only did football during football season. I did not do you know winter workouts and spring ball and all of that. Uh, I was 
in indoor and outdoor track. And so that was uh, pretty special. Um, um, allowance by the university uh, for me. That had to be though running working on both uh, disciplines that concurrently they had to benefit each other. How did track make you a better football player and how did football make you a better track athlete? Well, uh, you know, clearly working on speed and quickness and, you know, doing the hurdles and, you know, and, and, and I think the other part is, you know, the variety of body movements, you know, biomechanically, you don't wear parts out doing the same thing and you don't get beat up um, as much um, when you're, you don't get beat up at all running track. And so kind of moving away both mentally and physically from both sports, you know, allowed me to get more excited about doing the other. And I I was uh, having success at both of them. So, um, you know, it benefited me and obviously benefited the university um, and or the teams. As you began to progress and realize that football was potentially um, a way to, to make a living, you, you, you still wanted to focus on the Olympic trials, but you mentioned you, you tore your hamstring. As football really began to come into focus, um, even when you were younger, who did you try to emulate on the football field? Uh, hmm. uh, I respected a lot of players. You know, Len Swan was one guy that I, I looked up to. I uh, liked the way he moved. Um, and then once I got drafted, um, you know, there are a couple of guys on my team that, uh, you know, Wesley Walker was on my team. Lamb Jones, who was a uh, gold medalist um, in the Olympic, in the Olympics, uh, was on my team as well. And so, you know, I had um, uh, a variety of talent, different talent, different skill sets. Uh, that I, uh, I I didn't necessarily try to emulate, but tried to learn from. Um, but I wanted to develop my own style. Um, and um, you know, as a kid, which might be a little weird, I always studied how animals moved. And I, you know, you know, the, the gazelle and the, the cheetah for speed and quickness and those kind of things. And, I, and and so that was a little bit of a idiosyncrasy of mine. Or. Uh, just kind of studying movement, biomechanics, and, and I think that helped me as well. If you were a scout, how would you describe the Altoon style? Um, I would say graceful was my goal, being graceful, being quick. Um, obviously, straight line speed when you needed it, um, and intellectual, you know, understanding what um, the defender was trying to do to you or trying to get you to do um, and um, focusing on keeping the defense on defense and I'll, and having them having to re- having them react to what I was doing versus having them dictate what I was doing. So you played eight years. So long, Go ahead. Sorry. No. So it's kind of a long description uh, of my uh, disposition of philosophy about the position, but I think, understanding what you're doing, understanding what the quarterback is doing, uh, understanding what everyone on the field is doing. When I went to the line of scrimmage, I wasn't thinking about what I was doing, what I was supposed to do. Cause you know, I, you know, the student trying to be a student of the game. I was focused on what everyone else is doing, but offensively and defensively. Um, 
anyway. Well, whatever you were doing clearly worked because you're one of two receivers in NFL history to have five to re- receive to record 500 catches in less than 110 games. You know, your career lasted eight years. What was the key to your consistency? You mentioned that it wasn't just about you. You were trying to pinpoint exactly what everybody else's role was. But how were you always able to find a way to make a contribution? Well, my connection with the quarterback, you know, Kenny O'Brien was my quarterback my first five years. You know, I developed a, a connection with him right away. Um, you know, the play was drawn up by the offensive coordinator and, and my position coach. Um, but, you know, I get in the game, and after playing a couple of games with Kenny, I would make adjustments on the move, and Ken would we, – we connected. And so, you know – you know, and, and so I, I think that was probably the biggest um, positive and advantage um, that I had over maybe the defense because even though a play was drawn to, you know, maybe go upfield or make a cut across the field, um, I had a connection with my quarterback, um, you know, through practice and that kind of thing that we could make adjustments on the field on the fly without talking about it. Well, so injuries cut your career short uh, following the eight years, you know, 500 catches over 6,600 yards, 31 touchdowns. Um, And we obviously know a lot more about head injuries and and concussions these days. And that was the main reason why your career was cut short. Was there any pushback from your peers at that time uh, when you said, hey, guys, I can't do this anymore? And even though it had only been eight years, which when you look at it, that's still double what the average NFL career is. Um, No pushback at all. Um, you know, my commitment, um, to the Jets, um, was, um, I think fulfilled. Um, but more importantly, my commitment to my family was the most important, most important thing for me. Um, and moving forward, obviously my health, being there for my family, um, and understanding what's most important. And, um, and I guess the final thing was I was very um, blessed to have the opportunity. I took advantage of the time that I had, uh, enjoyed the time I had. Obviously, there were frustrations with injuries. But, um, you know, unfortunately, my uh, um, trainer uh, and um, uh, my president of the team and uh, the neurologist that I, uh, uh, you know, met with three neurologists that I met with that concurred with the timing to retire. And so, uh, I made that decision based on all of those factors. Do you have any reaction to seeing, you know, high profile and even, you know, roster filler players, just it, it, all players kind of taking a much more, uh, closer look at their health after football these days with the Luke Keekleys, the Patrick Willis's, you know, taking the, the, the initiative to make that decision that I need to cut my career short. Do you have any reaction to that these days? Um, you know, I, you know, the progression and, you know, having it be somewhat of a flavor of the day for a long period of time. And it will continue to be because it is a violent sport. You know, the choice that we make as athletes, uh, we understand the perils of the game, you know, however, uh, the other big difference is the players are making a lot more money um, earlier. Uh, and so they can make life choices uh, from a financial perspective earlier 
in, this, in early retirement because they have a, a significant, uh, more significant um, uh, financial base. So, you know, a lot of factors with the present day versus when I was playing even before I played, you know, the advancement of the medical advantage, advancement uh, of um, players' uh, skill sets and understanding, more importantly, the significant long-term effects of continuing to um, amass concussions. So your career ended in 92, but that was not the end of Al Toon's story. You have become a very successful businessman in the Wisconsin area. Uh, you've, you've been in real estate, you've been in landscaping, uh, financial planning. You, you've just really put on the, a great second act, if you will. Do you attribute that to any advice you received when you were playing or, or, or one or two person, or one person or two persons that you came across during your playing career? You know, how were you able to set yourself up for this next phase of your life? I would probably give a significant amount of credit to uh, my uh, agent, Ralph Sendridge. Um, additionally, uh, a good friend I met and who helped me find Ralph, uh, Larry Myalek, who is still a dear friend of our family. Um, you know, a lot of advice from him. And my position coach at Wisconsin, um, Fred Jackson. And then my high school coach, Charlie Nuttycomb, Charlie Nuttycomb, who I mentioned earlier, who kind of got me started. And obviously my parents were in part and, you know, kind of getting me going and that support. But, you know, I was, it was a different life, different lifestyle, different exposure where my parents did not have. So I had a foundation in character, uh, but, you know, learning, you know, some additional life skills and being coached. Um, those four people that I mentioned, I think four people that I mentioned were, um, were very important and instrumental in, in my success going forward, at least helping me, um, you know, zone in or, uh, on what's important, what I needed to do uh, to be successful in the business world, quote unquote. Specifically as it relates to sports, is there a time frame that you have the fondest memories of or miss the most, high school, college, professional? Uh, I would say I, I miss track. That's always been my number one love. I miss the individuality of track. I miss, you know, performing for the crowd. You know, you know, I, I look at sports as an entertainment business, and um, I do miss that. You know, I, I was blessed with the skill set athletically that people enjoy watching um, and I enjoy performing and I enjoy being successful at it. Um, so those are the things that I really miss. You know, I, once I decided to hang up the cleats and the spikes um, for, you know, the next phase of life and career, you know, and didn't never look back and said, I, you know, my, why can't I, you know, what, why was it, you know, why couldn't I play longer or whatever? You know, I figured that, you know, that was the hand I, I was dealt. You know, I felt like I could be successful at the next phase, and it's, it's worked out pretty well. It was a pretty good hand, and, uh, you know, we will have plenty of time in late April to kind of re reminisce and go through a lot of the stories and the memories. And, uh, and Al, it was a pleasure catching up with you today, and I really appreciate you taking the time out for the Hall Call podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, and I appreciate, you know, being able to share my story. 
Wonderful. Well, yeah, well, we're looking forward to it, and we'll, be, we'll have a lot to honor and celebrate come late April. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Hall Call Podcast. I'd again like to thank my guest, Al Toon, for joining us today. You can help us celebrate Al and the rest of the class of 2020 as part of Induction Weekend, April 24th and 25th here in Virginia Beach. For event and ticket information, please visit our website, www.vasportshof.com. Induction Weekend and all Hall of Fame events are presented by Priority Automotive Group. As always, if you like what you heard, please follow, like, and subscribe to the Hall Call Podcast on SoundCloud and Spotify. You can also find the most up-to-date and archived episodes of Hall Call on our website, as well as our social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles are all at VA Sports HOF. I'd like to thank ESPN Radio, WVSP-FM, and our executive producer, Thomas Simmons, for their support. And once again, I am Will Driscoll, and thank you for listening to the Hall Call Podcast.